the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate, which is alive and popping. There is... Much smack being talked, as you would expect, on a national signing day, complete with a few flips, some risers, some fallers in the rankings, and a lot to be able to get into. Uh, Bud, you look fantastic. You've been doing fantastic. Wall-to-wall coverage uh, from 24-7 Sports Home Office in Nashville. We had multiple studios. We had a lot of commitments, a lot of coaches drop in. Uh, It was a big day. And so, as I throw to you, looking handsome and well-lit, when you look at, because I want to get to the individual schools and I want to I get to the individual players here in a second. But if there's a big, broad picture, like among the the signees of the days or maybe the body, the body that we have, like looking across all the five stars, for example, what's the, sort of the big story to you in terms of uh, the national sign, the national scene on National Signing Day? Chip, I, I think it really is like how many different schools signed an elite level player, right? We have 19 schools who signed a five-star. It doesn't even include like a Michigan, a Notre Dame or, or USC. So to me, it, it's the disbursement of the talent in the, in the NIL era, right? If you have NIL, you can get together and put a pretty nice class together. If you have some NIL, you can get together and get one really good player like we've seen some schools do. And it just seems like this is more spreading out of the talent. No, nobody signed seven five-stars today, right? Like there's no class that looks like that Texas A&M class from two years ago, although that class hasn't really worked out too well. Uh, there's right. no class that looks like some of those early Bama classes where it's like, okay, so they got like 10 of the top 30 guys in the country or 10 of the top 50. Like that's that's not really happening this year. There are a lot of really good classes, but it, it does feel like it's a deeper year where your team probably did better than it would have done a few years ago. How... How many schools do you think are in that? Like, if, if we're no longer in this world where Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State are locking down, you know, c- c- combined, let's say 15 of the top 30. That's aggressive, but you understand where I'm going for here. Sure. Like, um, 
how many schools are playing in that big pool uh, where you are saying, okay, we've got parity, we've got resources, we've got NIL. How, how big is that group? Is it similar to the 18 schools that you talk about that are competing t- to be a national champion? It's 18, right? That's your sort of yeah, eight, number? Eight, 18 was always the number I, I was pretty comfortable using. I, I think 18 is is probably about right. I mean, USC is sitting 18th right now in the 24-7 sports composite. Like that's that's probably about where I would cut it off as far as like the schools that are recruiting you know, at a national championship or, or close level. But you have some schools that are doing enough on the recruiting trail and they're trying to really supplement and go all in in the portal. You know, Missouri, I think, would be one to take a look at. I know we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the show. But, yeah, it, it does feel like a lot of schools landed a big-time player or two this year. And I, I think the talent is spreading out. And if you're a college ball fan, you may not love NIL. You may not like how guys leave your program to get more NIL up. NIL elsewhere, but Chip, I do think it's spread out the talent more. Yeah. Um, how many, in talking to coaches and personnel directors, could you get a sense coming into National Signing Day that there was um, a, a reaction in terms of what was available in the portal and how hard you were going to go at the final minute? Like, you know, we had all the way until a bunch of visits this past weekend, obviously a short little dead period after that, but is there any calculus that has happened in the last you know 20 days where uh, the the portal and recruiting all of a sudden changed your scholarship math in a way that was significant for any big programs? I, I think so because I, I don't think that the depth of the portal this year in terms of quality is quite what it was two years ago and probably not what it was last year. So there is some chance that we have reached peak portal and that puts a greater emphasis on, on recruiting school. the elite high school players. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, especially if the elite ones that might have a chance to be able to step in. Um, yeah. All right, so when we're talking about some of the uh, the way that these classes stack up against each other, it's been always very um, interesting to now say we are going to put Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. These are your peers. You start playing them next year, so this is where we're going to rank you. Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. We're now going to put you in the Big Ten. Maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. UCLA has a number 17 beside it in terms of where it stacks up in its conference rankings. But you know, we can get to that in a little bit. But those two conferences, um, 14 of the top 20 classes, but the one at the top, I mean, you know, we talk about parity and things being spread around. I'm looking at Georgia one, I'm looking at Alabama two. Um, the it's it's Georgia's first number one class since 2020. Yeah, I yeah. So. Um, so what 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 do you see? Let's let's go specifically on on Kirby Smart's crew there because uh, you know they land the the big flip of KJ Bolden from Florida State, you know, to the Dogs. Um, what what else about this class uh, was really big? They lose Dylan Riola and still hold the number one class. Um, what do you see in this group for uh, for the Bulldogs? So Kirby Smart really just kind of hoarded all the good offensive linemen. He's like, I'm, I'm taking all these. The best ones will start. You know, the, the ones who, who don't start will probably transfer out. That, that's the main thing that stands out to me is, is just the beef along the line of scrimmage for Georgia's class. I, like, I think Kirby Smart, he's very smart, pun intended here, to know that you can't really get very many elite big men in the transfer portal. And so he's going all after Chip, like all these big guys at a high school to see you know, who will pan out? And I, that, that's the main thing that stands out to me. At quarterback, Georgia has Ryan Puglisi. 
they really like him a lot. In fact, I don't, I'm not going to say they won't miss Dylan Raiola because I think that's kind of crazy, but there is a real chance that Puglisi turns out to be pretty good for them. And I think they're pretty happy to have him. And then in the defensive secondary, as you mentioned, flipping KJ Bolden from Florida State, number one safety in the country, was huge. And I think getting Ellis Robinson, who's one of the best corners I've ever seen, mm. uh, to, to come in, I think he'll play early for them as well. So Georgia hanging on for another just elite class. What about, um, uh, I did not no, look, help, help me. Help, bud, come on and help me. Help me, help Tom, help Danny, help the audience, help, help all of us. So it seems like Alabama, you know, the the superstar of the class was on from the beginning. We've been talking about Julian saying even on the Cover 3 podcast for a long time. But it was like enough work was done elsewhere. What went into the jump from number four to number two? Like who were the some of the key prospects and the battles that Alabama was able to win? Maybe not at the very top of their board, but in a way that made that math math for, out for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, so Chip, you mentioned it. First of all, they needed a couple teams ahead of them to falter a little bit, right? You know, Florida did, Ohio State did a little bit, and then they needed to be able to pull off some flips. Not a whole lot of flips with like top 100 kids, but Bama did a great job today in that sort of like 100 to 300 range. They capitalized on some weakness, you know, guys, you know, Florida, Miami, a couple other SEC schools that they got a really nice running back from Miami to flip. So I, I think that's really where Alabama did most of their damage. They added to the quality depth of the class. We know the headliners in the class. You have a, a great pair of corners, and then you have obviously quarterback Julian Sayan, who we think is one of the most polished quarterbacks in a while. And, and, and if you're Alabama, I think you need him. Because I didn't really, I really didn't love the quarterbacks that Bama took the last cycle. So I, I think like saying come in there and play pretty early, man. Yeah. So Ryan Williams had already been factored in. Ryan Williams was part of the twenty-five cycle, reclassifies to the twenty-four cycle. He was the number one wide receiver in that cycle. He's number three wide receiver in this cycle. He had already been factored in to get them to four, right? Right. So this yeah. was all the other stuff that moved them up to number two again. And Williams, I don't. Has he signed signed yet, or is he still Ooh. verbally? Because Auburn Auburn would would like a word there for sure. Uh, just to oh, Auburn doesn't need any more elite wide receivers. That's ridiculous. Well, that would be how how many blue chip wide receivers would that be? Seriously, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. Four, five, three, four. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if look, if you don't have to have to spend on a transfer portal quarterback, you're going to have some money to throw around. So. Would Hey, what did you think about Hugh Freeze saying he got pushed out of his comfort zone late last night trying to hold on to kids? Have you seen this press conference yet? No, but I saw the quote. Okay. Good. Is I mean, he, uh, I, he looked exhausted. He looked like his, some assistant told him that he was going to have to play Fortnite with the kid until like 2 a.m. to be able to keep him. And he was like, I... He, we've got a special Christmas surprise coming up for the Cover 3 podcast. Um, in it was a clip from our own Bud Elliott saying, I'm a grown man. I go outside when I'm done with my work. I don't play video games. Hugh Freeze was looking like he and you uh, believed the same thing and that he had just had to stay up till 2 a.m. playing Fortnite just to keep a kid. When he when he said, I got pushed out of my comfort zone, I understand how it reads, given it's Hugh Freeze and all. But what I saw from watching the press conference video clip is that he he had just had to do some, some kid stuff and he was not happy that he had to do it. I mean, look, Hugh, Hugh Freeze... Uh... I, I love any quotes that lack self awareness from Hugh Freeze. Yeah, always. That 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 that's that's amazing. Um. Okay. So you mentioned Florida. So we hang on to DJ Lagway. 
right? Like, thank like, just amidst all the chaos, uh, hang on to McRae, right? Yep. I held on to McRae. Yep. H- held on to McRae, but lost a lot else. Like, what's where where are we putting the pieces back together for Billy Napier? I, look, I think there is uh, there is some sort of like if you want to shoot the gap here, right, and see if you can just hit the straight. There is some chance that Florida really hits on their transfer class, right? That maybe LJ McCray is able to play some as a freshman to help spark Billy Napier's 2025 recruiting class. Hey, look, you got LJ McCray coming. You know, he's going to be the starter more in 25 and 26. Probably that's their like really special talent quarterback that, that they have here in this class. They have Graham Mertz coming back. Maybe they have a nice season, right? And the transfer class is good enough to, to propel that nice season. And thus, they don't have to fire Billy Napier. On the other hand, like I know a lot of schools who continued to recruit LJ McCray up until signing day who did not believe they had a real shot to land LJ McCray. And they're like, we're going to do it because we know there's a pretty good chance Billy Napier gets fired next year, maybe midseason. Oh, we you're putting be- in the early work. Correct. Yeah. They're, they're putting in that pre-work. We used to say in recruiting there was no prize for second place. Now times like there are actually our prizes in second place. So. Um damn. What about what else yeah. about what can Florida's class still be excited about? I mean, I look, I honestly I I think it's the fact that you landed like two of the top ten players in the country. Yeah. In, in like Lagway is just a freak of freaks. The production this year finally matched the tools. They really didn't match it in, in 2022, but in 2023 on the field as a senior, he improved a whole lot. He was better on the field on Friday nights than he was at the Elite 11, and the guy's just a ridiculous athlete. And the same for McCray, right? Like, McCray was always a guy we were enamored with at camps, uh, but ultimately not a guy who had crazy production throughout his high school career. And he kind of had that baby deer thing. It's like, that's a lot of body to coordinate. It's going to take a little bit of time to get going, man. And this year, it got going. So he started getting a lot of sacks, started being a total game wrecker. I I think for Florida, it's those top two guys. Like, Billy Napier's staff, I think it's a really good recruiting staff. It's a really good scouting staff. It's just you know, the, the way they lost games this year, I think, inspired a lot of doubt among recruits, and, and I think it made them easy to recruit against in, in the negative fashion, which we see a lot uh, throughout the country. But if, if you're messing up, the SEC will enable to recruit you pretty quick. What about uh, the new boys in uh, the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma? What stands out about those classes? So for Texas, uh, they continue to load up on the lines of scrimmage. So Brandon Baker – we talked about him on cover three, I think, four or five months ago when they actually landed his commitment over the summer. Just an elite-level offensive tackle, one of the true uh, offensive tackles in the country, and not many out there this year. This was not a great year for that offensive tackle position. So uh, Baker coming in, I think, will be able to help them at least by year two. Maybe he'll be able to play some as a freshman. And then receiver Ryan Wingo. They held off a late charge by Missouri and Nebraska, uh, a guy who's from Missouri. Missouri obviously has really – uh, favorable NIL laws for the home state Tigers, and Texas was able to outlast them. Chip Wingo's a guy, like, if, if they lose Xavier Worthy to the draft, which I think he's draft eligible, he almost has to be now at this point. I would expect Ryan Wingo to be able to step in and play immediately, and that's a, that's a guy, I just I look at his skill set, I'm like, okay, he's got the long speed, he's got enough size, he really has running back style skills after the catch. I'm like, you don't think Sark's going to find a way to get the ball in this guy's hands three, four times a game, even as a true freshman, to see what he can do. So I'm really excited to see what Ryan Wingo does for Texas. They they did an excellent job. Uh, for Oklahoma, you know, not quite as good of a job as Texas. Still a really nice class, though. 
that they put together. I think where they really helped out was they got some difference makers on the lines of scrimmage, especially that defensive line. We talked about it this year. We didn't see the difference makers for Oklahoma up front. There's a kid named David Stone. He's from Oklahoma. He played his high school ball at IMG Academy. That's a guy who I think could play early for them because he is polished. Heavy hands, violent kid, good size. I think he'll be a very productive college player for Oklahoma. So I think if you're a Sooners fan, or especially a Texas fan, you have to be really excited about what you're bringing to that new league. Xavier Worthy, draft eligible. So there you go. Locked and loaded. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention from the SEC to the Big Ten and so much more as we recap National Signing Day next When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And my, oh my, was there a lot of tension when Jeremiah Smith was stepping to the table. The number one wide receiver, the number one player in the 24-7 sports rankings. Uh, First wide receiver to be number one since... Do you have it? I've got it. I don't. Doriel Green Beckham. That's right. Okay. There you go. First no, first wide receiver to be the number one overall player since Doriel Green Beckham. He steps to the table. And, bud, he wasted none of our time. He he, he picked up the mic. He, jo- he got right into it. He announced that he would be signing with the school that he has been committed to for a long time. But the Hollywood, Florida product... You know, he had Florida State sniffing around. He had Miami sniffing around. This is not an Inside the Smoke podcast shout out, but there was smoke, you know, late, 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 that maybe, maybe, maybe Jeremiah Smith would end up uh, committing to the U. He ends up committing to the Buckeyes. And uh, and and Josh, if we've got, uh, if, if we've got that Ryan Day presser, uh, let's, let's bring that up uh, as well. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. There's pictures, there's video. <laughs> 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 I'm nervous for you. Yeah, you want to take us to your emotion during quick? How you feeling? You got to address that one. Yeah, well. Um, I don't know if, if everything's in yet, Jerry. You got to check to make sure it's yeah, in. Yeah. Hey, Mike, you want to check with uh, Justin? Yeah. Before I do something and get myself in trouble. Ohio State lost some guys today, but they held on to the big dog, the five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith. Um, 
Ooh, cover three tailgate. Has it has it been has it been out? Uh, is the paperwork in? No, not yet. At least I haven't seen it as in. This is what I, I was googling as well since we've been on the air. Um, I think this could be like an ongoing uh, thing. I guess we could say. Oh man! Remember Peyton Bowen? Now look, do I, do I think he goes to Ohio State? Yeah, I I do. I, I think they get this done. Um, Jeremiah Smith is a really freaky player. I mean, obviously the number one player in the country to be a receiver. That's a pretty rare thing, as Chip noted. 6'3", 205, really nice long speed, like elite-level hurdler at that size. Also throttles down really well to create separation. The hands are pretty nuts. I think he has a good feel for how to play the game. I think he'll he'll play immediately at Ohio State, or I guess because we're on a podcast and people are listening to this tomorrow, uh, wherever he goes. Ohio State had to step up with, with some of their – I think they had to step up their NIL efforts, to be honest, for a couple of these kids. And they did lose some down the stretch. And I think if they hadn't landed uh, Jeremiah Smith, if, if they hadn't kept Edric Houston there, the defensive lineman who Bama was trying to flip late, then I, I think they'd be like real kind of you know teeth gnashing for Ryan Day. Uh, but at, at this point, if it's not in, like that's not a that's not a good sign for Ohio State. But I'm also not sure if Miami can pull that off. Maybe they can. Uh, you know, the I know there was a there was a rivals report that he was sending it in quote-unquote, now, but that was probably like an hour ago. So we'll see if that got in. Uh, I don't know why. I, I love the internet report that says, I've seen cell phone video of him signing it. it, yeah. it like somebody has uh, has said that he has signed it. We'll see. I'm, I am... Uh, Next? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right, so... What about the rest of Ohio State's class? I mean, still a good class. They dropped. They lost a couple battles, but they held on to the two big dogs. Uh, what do you see from Ryan Day? I, I, like, I, I see Ohio State continuing to recruit at a really high level. Like, Does it stink that they didn't hold on to everybody? Yes, but Houston's a guy who could make a real difference for them, I, I think, on the line of scrimmage. Like that, That's a big-time defensive lineman. Bama came late. A couple more schools came late. The fact they're able to hold on to him – is really, really pretty big. They did lose Jeremiah McClellan uh, to Oregon. Oregon had a really nice day. We'll talk about them in a second or maybe even next. Uh, but, no, overall, this is a nice class for Ohio State, Chip. Like, and I think Ohio State fans should be really excited. Like, if you're consistently recruiting at that sort of top five level, right, and what are they now? Top, they got to be top four, four, top five, number yeah. four. You know, if you're consistently around that level, you're that team I think is going to be expected to compete for a playoff spot every single year, right? And probably to win a playoff game every year, like sort, sort of that level. So if you're Ohio State, I think you got to be really excited where you are. So status quo, but this is one to watch. I mean, if you lose Jeremiah Smith, that's not going to be received really well after how you lost or how you lost the Michigan game. Would it only be Miami? I think so, yeah. Oh, oh, mama Jojo. Um, okay, speaking of the Ducks. The the thing that is really interesting to consider from the Dan Lanning perspective, you know, dogged recruiter you know, as an assistant shows up to Oregon, immediately starts doing work in the portal on the recruiting trail uh, out of high school as well. He's got resources behind him. And I, I get the sense that they know what we have said 
which is that when Oregon lands in the Big Ten, it is landing in one of the most influential conferences in college football, the kind of place where you, if you're competing for Big Ten championships and you're running with Ohio State and Michigan, we're going to talk about like you like one of the best programs in the country. And look, like I, I loved covering the Pac-12 as it existed, but Oregon running the Pac-12 is not going to have the same impact nationally as running the Big Ten. And the Ducks are loaded up to hit the ground running and be running head-to-head with Ohio State and Michigan. What would you make of their uh, recruiting class? Where do you see Dan Lanning turning his his efforts uh, as he as he is in a, a big-time spot right now with Oregon heading into 2024? I thought they crushed it, man. I mean, I think they're probably the Big Ten team that has to be happiest with their results. I think relative... To expectations, they're going into a new league, and they're like, you know what? We can be more talented in Ohio or than, than Michigan. We can be more talented, probably, than Penn State coming up with a quickness. Big time defensive lineman in Aiden Breland. Like this is a guy with violent hands. I think you're going li- to enjoy watching him play. Explosive player. He's he's got like a lean, like he's big, but he's not sloppy. He's a guy who, who can make a real impact for them. I like Elijah rushing as well. Large bodied edge rusher, uh, and then at receiver. They, had, they, they went and got Ryan, Ryan Pelham and flipped him from USC. Uh, mm-hmm. They got McClellan from, from Ohio State. Like Receiver was an area of need in this class. And then, not that we're talking a whole lot of portal, David. Like, let's look a little bit of portal here. They get Dylan Gabriel for this year. And Dante and Moore. Ta- Dante Moore. Yeah, man. So, uh, look, I, Dan Lenning has a staff of like elite dogs on the recruiting trail. And he also has probably like the best NIL support in the country. So, if you put those two things together, you're going to do pretty well. You you'd put Oregon on par with with the big dogs? Yes. No doubt. Like stand in tea time at an exclusive golf club? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I do you remember um remember the Detroit Tigers when their owner was like in his nineties and he really wanted to win before he passed? Oh and they and just that's like Phil? They, they just kept signing. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they signed Verlander and they signed this guy and they, like, let's let's go you know, go get Cabrera and all these dudes and yeah, that's kind of how I view Oregon right now. I, I think they're in it to win it like every single year. Wow, 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 wow. Um, what about uh, some of the other newcomers? USC. I mentioned UCLA, seventeenth among the eighteen Big Ten schools for twenty twenty four. Not good. Uh, Washington. You know what stands out uh, among the other Big Ten newcomers? So Washington, I just don't think, has the same level of recruiter on staff that Oregon does, and they obviously don't have the same level of NIL support, but that's still a a fine class for them. UCLA is a class that I think really prefers to operate out of the portal now for the most part, but also, I mean, think about it. you got a staff there that for the last couple of months you had reports saying was going to get fired. So it's a little hard to recruit that. They do do have three four-stars in the class, eight three-stars overall. So it's not dead last, but they're going to have to do a really nice job uh, in the transfer portal. I'll, I'll point to two head coaches in the league who I think are probably sitting pretty tonight. Okay, Nebraska getting Riola is really big for them. Like that, that's a major win that Matt Rule can sell on the recruiting trail, especially if he plays early next year and actually looks good. Which, I mean, that, that's a hard ask. Okay, Nebraska doesn't have a super hard schedule, whoa, whoa, whoa. but it's not a cakewalk. Nebraska either. has such a good offensive line, we gave the offensive line coach a raise. Okay? Remember, that is true. the offensive line was so good 
We had to award the offensive line coach, whose last name is Riola and is the uncle of Dylan Riola. We had to award him for the wonderful play of that offensive line coach. I, I think that's that's a very fair one. Also, Wisconsin is a sneaky good class, Chip. Like they, they got we have nine four stars for them. I know it's going to get overshadowed by some of the new guys coming into the league, but you got to be pretty happy with this. I think if you're Wisconsin, this is better than they a lot better than they're doing under Paul Christ. We know that Luke Fickle knows how to recruit, knows how to ID talent. That's a pretty nice one to see. That's that's one where um, I go back to the fact that Cincinnati's recruiting was as good as Cincinnati's recruiting had ever been when Fickle got it humming. So I, I apply the expectation of being a good recruiter on Luke Fickle. So if I'm a Wisconsin fan, like I'm, I'm very happy, but I'm also happy because that's what we were sold when we were sold the idea of Luke Fickle finally getting his hands on a power conference program. You know who's probably not happy with results relative to what they were sold? What? USC. Oh, buddy. Not a good day for the Trojans. Yeah, I, I don't go get Lincoln Riley from, or, from, from Oklahoma to give me a class ranked 20th and 5th in the Big Ten. Like You take the USC job because you can recruit at a super elite level. That's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. I like Jason Zandamella, the center. They have a ton. Like It's one of the better center prospects I've seen in a while. And they do have some good players in this class. But, man, like this is the third full class that Riley signed now? That's – I mean, really? This is what we're what we're, we're left with? I I don't know. Um, maybe they'll do a better job in the portal than I think and have a better season to sell this upcoming year. Maybe all the defensive staff changes really will make – I actually think they probably will make a difference, to be honest. They have to. Um, but, I, I mean, this is a when, – when we look in two to three years, will we say, like, hey, this, is the, this class is the reason USC is not taking, like, another step? If they get things righted, but they're not ready to jump into, the, like, the natty conversation. Like, well, 23 class really wasn't great, man. Or 24 class really wasn't great. It sounds like the same thing you said about UCLA, just with different expectations. They've become a portal team. Yeah. You know, and roll the dice with that as you will. Might work out, but um, fascinating to see. Coming up on the other side, we have mentioned Florida State, Miami, a lot. But we haven't really dug into those classes. So the big storylines coming out of the Air Plus, Notre Dame, Colorado, and so much more. Next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, are you going to be on tomorrow or are you traveling? Uh, I am on tomorrow. Okay. Well, then maybe we'll I wasn't see. sure like if it was a playoff show or not, so I, I booked a flight a little bit later. Uh, Andrew from the Cover 3 Tailgate. I'm interested in Troy Boy Bud Elliott's opinion on Gerard Parker getting the head job at Troy. On paper, Parker's Notre Dame offense looked impressive, but upon review, the damage was done against bad teams. Uh, it kind of broke during Monday's show, right? Right near the end. Thoughts on Gerard Parker to Troy? I'm kind of TBD there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he did play for Kentucky, which has been a, a common thread amongst most of the recent Troy coaches. But I... Neil Brown. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, Summerall and, and now him. I don't know. Uh, I'm very TBD on the hire. And look, honestly, we should be, T- as Fornelli tells us, like we should be TBD on pretty much all the hires all the time because mm-hmm. who the hell knows how they're going to work out. But yeah, man, that's uh, that's just, I don't know what to say about that. I was not real impressed with Notre Dame's offense, but maybe he'll be a, a dogged recruiter for them and and, uh, and really kill it. Yeah, I think Troy's a high-variance job. I think John Summerall yeah. might probably maxed it out, and um, he's shown what you can accomplish, but that's not a promise or a guarantee by any means, especially in a league as competitive as the Sun Belt. Like, there are some G5 jobs that I feel like are very sticky as far as their results. You know, like, you're just going to lo- you're going to go there and lose no matter what because it's just it's a dead-end job. I don't know if there are any G5 jobs right now I can think of that are just like they're turnkey. You go there, everybody who's there wins. Like maybe I'm I'm missing one now, but all right, what do you got? James Madison. We'll see. I mean, TBD in terms yeah. of at the FBS level, but like they were a championship. They 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 cared about being really good at football before Kurt Signetti with Kurt Signetti. And I I think with Bob Chesney, they will continue to be doing that. It used to be Boise. Yeah, a 100%. And now, you know, not so much. Um, okay, sorry. Little little sidetrack there. Somebody somebody grabbed it. All right, so um, in the Cover 3 tailgate, which is why I thought about it, uh, the early conversation before we got started was a... It was a it wasn't positively charged. You know, it's the holiday season. Try, trying to give out gifts here. It was a... There's a lot of people trying to trying to look in and and, and bag on the Seminoles. So let's. Oh no! Well, it was a it, it was a disappointing sign. Look, yeah, but it was a disappointing signing day for Florida State, right? No doubt. I, I, yeah. Like so the overall us, class is a class they're happy with, but right. Yeah. Take us inside the day, and it's important to I guess start off with that that the class is still one of the highest ranked Florida State classes that we've seen in a long time, and that for Mike Norvell. If we were like, okay, you can't do the portal forever. You're going to have to up your game on the high school recruiting. He has done that. So, like, yeah. in one conversation, check, 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 check. But it's just in the moment of this day, given some of those um, those high-profile players uh, at, at, that were in the spotlight, uh, I do think it does come off a little disappointing. Oh, there's no, no doubt. I mean, so you, you lose Blunt to Miami, right, which everybody knew was going to happen because he chose to visit Miami instead of FSU despite being – you know, committed to FSU there on that final weekend. It's like, all right, if you're not going to come to Tallahassee, follow the, on the visits, final weekend, baby. Follow yeah, the exactly. visits. So, uh, like FSU didn't wait for that. They they had their press conference before. That's still a, a you know, that's still a guy you want to get. I, I I've not been very impressed with FSU's front seven recruiting under Mike Norvell. Like that that's a spot where I feel like it'll continue to bite them in the butt if they don't just pull miracles out of the hat in the transfer portal. Which, to their credit, like they seem to have have done. You know, just about every single year. Um, with KJ Bolden, that was a kid they got the commitment from a couple of months ago. Nobody really thought they were. And so I, I think they really thought, well, we can hold on to him because there's a lot of smoke he's going to flip to Auburn. Mm. Didn't some, you know, some very late smoke he flipped to Georgia. But the vibes were very similar then you know, to what they were when he committed, right? It was like, okay, he's not going to go to Florida State. He's going to go to Georgia back then. And those were kind of the same vibes at the end of the day. He does end up flipping, you know, to UGA. UGA missed on Caleb Downs last year, who went to, you know, Alabama, and they weren't able to get Jeremiah Smith. I, look, I, assuming he goes to uh, Ohio State, 
it's kind of hard to blame a kid for going to Ohio State to play receiver. I will say the saving grace there is that they they have a really nice receiver in DB class. So the fact that you, your two biggest losses were there it doesn't hurt you as much as it otherwise could have been because like you still signed like four of the best DBs in the country and you still have a really nice receiver class. Um, I just think, look, it, it's been a couple of years now for Norvell and he's done a tremendous job winning ballgames. But I think he needs to evaluate whether his staff is an elite recruiting staff. Mm. For my money, it's not. Like you look yeah. down at Coral Gables, that's a staff that works really hard at recruiting. I'm not saying that the shoe staff is lazy. I don't think they are. But I do think Mario demands more of his staff. And I think he has much more dynamic personalities on his staff than FSU staff does. Ooh. FSU also doesn't blow games in the fashion Miami does. So there's kind of right, an equilibrium. Right. So what do you want? What do you, do you right, want to exactly. win on National Signing Day or do you want to, want to win on Saturdays? Like this is the nope. Miami-Florida State rivalry right now. But I think that if the ultimate goal is a natty, we know there's only one way to do that. You just, you just grab as many freaks as you possibly can. Okay? And I, like, it's clear Miami's class is better than FSU's class. So yeah, you grab as many freaks as you can so that if you're uh, Nick Saban at Alabama and Georgia runs it down your throat on the first possession of the SEC championship game, you can just say, shit, we'll play cover two the rest of the way and just let players right. be players <laughs> and win yeah. the SEC that way. I mean, just uh, throw the game plan out the window, everything that we had thought of. You know, we just, let's go play football. We think we got We think we got the best team in the country. Let's go win it. Um and that's that's what recruiting can get you uh, at that level. I what about Miami? I mean, I, I think it's an elite level class, especially along the defensive front. They did a hell of a job at receiver. I think Jojo Trader is a really nice player. If they get Jeremiah Smith, they're going to be what number two? Maybe they're, they're, they're sitting number three right now. Like Mario Cristobal was brought into Miami to recruit. They have crazy good NIL right now, and we'll, we'll see how they can balance and, and mesh all these personalities that they're bringing in. But I mean eventually the talent is just going to start overwhelming people, right? The, the, the amount of players they have. Now, quarterback, they have to get right. I don't know if they really got it right in this class. We'll see. Miami seems to think that the, the kid they got, Judd, is a little bit better than a lot of the ratings think. But, again, you know, we'll see there. But along the defensive front seven, they really killed it, man. And so I'm extremely impressed with what Miami did in recruiting this year. Um, Notre Dame, uh, it was interesting because – CJ Carr, I think, is already with the team right now. I saw some some Notre Dame beat writers got some availability, I think, recently in preparation yeah. for the Sun Bowl. And everybody's already talking about how good it looks when CJ Carr throws a ball. And he's already out there zipping it. And boy, they have they've missed that. They got some of it with Sam Hartman. But um, what what do you think about the Irish's class? Look, so a couple things. One, CJ Carr. I'm glad that he's looking like in practice what we saw at him. We liked him a lot. The guy's got big-time tools. If he hits, he's going to be a superstar because the physical tools really are there. I, I like what Notre Dame did today. Um, eight players in the top 247 is a nice haul for Notre Dame. Is it what we were promised when Marcus Freeman got elevated? Is it clearly better than what Brian Kelly was doing? I would say at this point, no. But it's it not... Brian like Kelly had Brian Kelly popped with a couple of Notre Dame classes. Yeah. The floor was fairly high, but not super impressive. But this he he did pop with a couple of classes. This was not a Notre Dame pop, right? 
Correct. I, I would agree with that overall. Like it, it's it's a good class. It's not a class that has a ton of difference makers, but it is still a class I think Notre Dame fans should be pretty happy with. It's just I go back two years ago, the sell was Marcus Freeman's going to take and Notre Dame's going to be a top five recruiting team. You know, and I'm like, so far, we haven't seen that. Fair. Um, oh, yeah. What about, uh, let's, let's see, since I uh, got it all. Um, so the man went to the recruiting trail and asked, Do you believe? And who answered, yes. And who answered, Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, so how does Colorado look? Give me a second while I scroll. This needs to, I need to hit load more. Damn. That's cold blooded, my friend. Uh, load more, load more. Okay. All right. Um, no, but look, there's no Big 12 team in the top 20. Now the that, Texas. Okay, that, that's fair. Like now that Texas and Oklahoma are gone, if Colorado is going to be stacked up against other Big 12 teams, this is National Signing Day, and and Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of you know, truly dominant recruiters, and so you know if they're if Colorado has to be outside of the top 50 in the rankings, I bet they are still not that far behind in total score away from probably the median of the Big 12. Look, I here's the deal. I don't want to bag on Colorado for this, okay? I think that you have to read intent into what they're doing. They have six commitments right now. Six. Five signees and then Jordan Seaton, who's the number one offensive tackle in the country, who's a verbal commit. Our Jeff Ehrman of Inside Maryland Sports put in a, uh, a crystal ball for him to flip to Maryland tonight. As of this taping, we have not seen that flip happen yet, but he also has not signed with Colorado unless the tailgate can update us here. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that one is still up in the air. Uh, their best offensive line transfer commit flipped to Oregon two days ago, and their number one juke offensive tackle commit also decommitted. I don't want to bag on Colorado because on a per-player basis, you're exactly right. They have one of the highest average scores in the, the Big 12. However, I do think it begs the question, like, do you really think you can do the transfer portal thing this heavily every single cycle? And if not, and you're a Colorado fan, you need to ask yourself, like, what's Dion, is Dion going to be here in 2025? Because this is a weird approach. Like, we got to admit. Well, no, five or six high school kids for like, but two. It's striking. You get you get two portal heavy teams, and unless they are all getting their degrees, they're not going anywhere. Right. So you know there is the aspect that you got like fifty portal additions uh, last year, and then let's say you go back with another twenty person class this year. Like you, at some point, you're going to create some stability to allow you to turn more of your efforts towards focusing on players that might be, you know, two years away from making a difference as opposed to just trying to fill a depth chart with capable 20-year-olds who are physically ready to go play Big 12 football. I, I would I would think so, but it you usually want to make some noise with your first full class. And for Dion, obviously, I understand, like, the goal is Shador, 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 right? And winning as well, but Shador. So... Surrounding him with as much win-now talent, it still makes sense. But this number, I'm just telling you, as a guy who's covered recruiting for a long time, this number of high school commits would concern me if I was a Colorado fan like, and, and asking, like, is Dion going to be here past next year? Mm. It, 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 Yeah, Spidey sense up. What about, um, all right, so let's, let's say 
this big wide ranging stuff, any other teams or players that stand out to you? Um, Texas Tech actually got a kid who I think we need to talk about. Have you seen Micah Hudson? I I am aware of Micah Hudson. Yes. Yeah. Freak of a receiver. I, I'm really excited to see. Like he'll probably catch a million balls in that offense. They have the number one class in the Big 12 right now. Um, to your point of like no top 20 classes for the Big 12, is that league going to get talked about as a power league for playoff purposes? I think so, because it's so depth with or it's so deep with teams in that sort of you know 20 to 45 range. There's not a lot of real bad teams in that conference, but like there's nobody in that conference recruiting anything close to a national title level. So eventually it kind of makes me wonder, like at least the ACC has three that are, and they're, and they're affiliated with the Irish. Florida State, Clemson, Miami. Yeah. But I mean, that's where it gets back to the same debate. Do you want, want to win national signing day or on Saturdays? Cause big 12 schools that are in the big 12 have way more success than Miami does. Totally. Yeah. Like playoff appearances made it to the national title game. Um, you know, there's, there, there's still there's still something to – you, you can still say you got to go out there and play the games. That's I mean, because it, it goes back to your if – you're, if we're only using power rankings, then we're only using talent ratings. And so the Big 12's proposition is as the scrappy underdog, as the overlooked and the under-recruited player who developed into um, a championship contender with the right combination of coaching and experience. Like that – that becomes its role, and I don't think that we should disqualify the Big 12 as a power conference just because it's not um, pulling in the same amount of five stars as the SEC and the Big 10. I, I think that's probably fair uh, because of the, of the overall quality of the league. But when we talk about, you know, look, it, if the G5 is getting access to the playoff, the Big 12 will as well, you know. Um, but, I mean, 16 of the top 20 coming from – the SC and Big Ten, and the other four coming from the ACC and Notre Dame, it, it it is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We'll monitor. We'll monitor whether Jeremiah Smith has gotten in officially. Still nothing. Uh, checking. I mean, that would drama. be it. that's drama. So you think? All right. So let's we'll say we're just placing bets right now. So you think? Ultimately, he ends up with Ohio State. This just might be some some drama. I, I think ultimately Ohio State, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you can have the same <gasps> reaction that Ryan Day did on camera at his, at his press conference. Uh, we will be back 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday for our next edition of Bonanza. Breaking down all the games that get you on through the Christmas holiday. You can follow him on Twitter at BuddyA3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Remember to stay tuned 24-7 Sports for all your recruiting needs. Great work today, Bud. Bud, thank you very much. Chip, enjoyed it.